Welcome to the show, Brain Health Unchaining Your Pain. And I'm really excited to have fabulous guest Tom Ruich on the show today. Welcome to the show, Tom. Thank you so much, Ruth. <laughs> so Tom and I met through a, a, a networking event and really got chatting there. And for those that don't know Tom, he coaches, coaches consultants and other experts, hire Tom to power up their stories because most dish out the same blah 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 content <laughs> put prospects to sleep and then feel fed up and stuck so tom helps transform content from boring to brilliant turn marketing from frustrating to fun and convert results from pitiful to profitable which i'm sure many of us can uh, can do some help with from an entrepreneurial perspective because we all have to go up that learning curve don't we <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I'd love to know, Tom, what is it that you are passionate in life uh, about right now? Well, in, in the short term, I'm passionate about the fact that my 25-year-old son is going to be driving in from Colorado this week and uh, visiting. So um, family, just uh, uh, that that's the most important thing for me. And that's, that's the short term thing on, on the long term in terms of business. I'm passionate about the fact that I'm expanding uh, my coaching program, which we call the content transformation Academy. Uh, that's designed to do all those things that, yeah. that you said, transform content from boring to brilliant and, and the process from frustrating to fun. And yeah. uh, we're taking steps right now to expand enrollment and to, uh, really take the program to a, a different level. So I'm very, very passionate and excited about that. And, you know, I think it's so important because it's so easy to write blah, 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 boring content oh, yeah. <laughs> on social media and just not really, people just skip over it and uh, and you don't, it, you don't um, attract people at an, any emotional level for them to want to continue reading it. And yeah. it's really a it's really a skill to learn how to tell a story in a way that makes people want to listen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and... It's... I was Go just going to say, especially with social media expanding, we, we have this huge overload, don't we, of content. And so it's really important that your social media content actually attracts people to want to read more and, and doesn't put them off from the first sentence or two. Yeah, very true. And and it's about social media. It's about email. It's about your website content, your videos, any content that you're putting out there. And, and you know, so many people soldier through. They, they think that they need to do it. And they're probably right that getting out there with good content is important. They think they need to do it. They kind of know that what they're putting out there is, is not exciting people and and is sort of the same old blah 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 content and so the process becomes a, a slog um, yeah. it's not fun you feel like you're in this maze and it contributes to the sorts of things that that uh, you focus on in your work you know it makes people feel less than it makes people um um worry that that they're imposters because nobody is mm -hmm. responding to them and and uh the the fact that you talked about it being a skill it's learnable so many people mm -hmm. think that creating content 
especially creative content, story-powered content is magic. You have to you have to be a creative unicorn and and <laughs> tap some magic well of creativity. And I hear all the time from people, oh, I'm not a creative person, Tom. But no, it, it's a skill. It's about systems and it's about discovering what makes your prospects tick, building and assembling content in systematic ways. And these are skills that you can develop and learn and nurture. And, and a lot of the work that goes into this is stuff that can be delegated as well. I coach that, that you should probably be writing your own content, at least initially, but a lot of the work that goes into gathering the building blocks um, is stuff that you can easily delegate or at least share with others. And, and that makes the process so much more manageable and, and so much simpler. And I think it's, you know, coming back to the context of brain health, yeah. you know, is that it's really important that we equip ourselves with the right tools because you know, in the in this digital world that we're now completely immersed in, and we're not really going to escape from unless we, you know, disconnect from the internet, which obviously some people have to do. Right. It is to create to to use it for us rather than against us, um, and to get joy from it in a way that isn't going to consume us and overwhelm us, which is what so many people find in the context of. Uh, creating uh, marketing information and doing it in a way that is, is inherent to your core values as well. Because I think some, you know, certainly when I started is I found it really difficult to be me mm -hmm. <laughs> within the story. Yeah. Uh, and that, you know, and then when you feel like you're not living into your core values and, and expressing the story in a way that feels congruent to who you are then it kind of you kind of lose that nuance as well as to who that uniqueness that makes you you yep. and especially when it comes to things like video as you know because it comes to telling your story on the screen as well as you know in, in emails as you mentioned is it's easy for us to get into a massive fear state isn't it Absolutely. Um, and, and just lock ourselves down um, yeah. and be fearful of just communicating um, initially because communication doesn't mean people actually like what you do but actually getting over that fear factor of communication um, which then helps you um, build connection. Yeah, absolutely. There were so many powerful things that you said there and, and words that I'll, I'll pick up on. One was overwhelm and mm. you know in 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 any product or service that we deliver, um, we are we are taking prospects or guiding our prospects and our clients on a journey, um, a journey from a before state to an after state. And you know, I I talk about content creation, but the journey that my clients are going on is from a state of overwhelm to a state of relief, from a state of fear and and lack of confidence you talked about confidence mm. uh before from uh, from a state of fear and confidence to a state of of clarity and uh, um or lack of confidence to a state of clarity and courage and confidence and and the the thing that bridges those two states that gets you from that before to after are the the skills 
and mm -hmm. the techniques and tactics that enable you to um, make it easier to feel more confident, to get in front of a camera, to sit down in front of a, a computer and, and write an email with greater ease. And But in the end, it's an emotional journey, which is when, when we met, um, <laughs> we, we connected over the fact that in a strange way, we're, we're helping clients um on on similar journeys different different paths to those yeah. things but uh they are definitely similar journeys well i mean it's all about pain isn't it you you know your 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 focus is on chaining the pain of people in the context of marketing which can mm -hmm. be hugely <laughs> hugely painful and hugely stressful for an individual who has a unique skill set in a certain area of business yeah. um, but no skill set in the, in the context of of marketing and there, there's this additional layer of expectation now on entrepreneurs and consultants and see you know senior professionals yeah. to get yourself out there in front of a camera on, on the digital platform whereas previously we've had this you know ability to hide behind in a coffee shop or to hide over a telephone or you know it's been a very different dynamic of connecting to in the traditional business sense of the word before um, the web came into being to, to where to where we are now and it puts an awful lot of fear into people and and it and like you say it's that it's that journey that getting people on to unchaining their pain and I I think you know it's really important this topic in the context of brain health because we often think of brain health as mental health mm -hmm. and it's totally not mental health it's about getting the best out of your engine of life which is your brain mental health as a subset and there's so many aspects that where we can feel less than i know we talked about this at the beginning we can feel less than because we don't necessarily have the right skills to maximize our brain's performance um and it's it's building that skill set in a way that is going to be fun in the process that's and, right and not painful yeah that and and so many analogies it's about recognizing that that um this is about establishing for for brain health and your work about establishing a skill set about recognizing a, a current state about aspiring to a better state and about discovering the steps that you can take to make that journey it it, mm. it different different journeys that we're talking about um but fundamentally the same kind of path and i i'm well i'll, I'll stop there <laughs> that's okay yeah. um so i'd love to know for you in the context of your story that you're going to share is what is optimal optimal brain health mean for you personally what does it mean what would you say it is yeah, I, you know, I think it starts with, with, um, pardon me, I, I, I think it starts with awareness. Uh -huh. um, and I, I'm, I'm reading right now for probably the third or fourth time, a, a book called Atomic Habits by James Clear. Okay, and, yeah. and it, it, it's an outstanding book about habit formation. And, and he makes the point that you can't um, break a bad habit 
unless you're aware of it. And mm -hmm. you can't really establish a, a good habit also unless you're aware of the of the path that you you wish to take. And, you know, I, I think that with brain health, um, so many people are are unaware are are unaware that um, uh, this is something they can work on and should mm. work on and and that investing in it has benefits. So awareness is is the first point. And then um, and then I guess the 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 second thing I would say is that, Brain health means to me not being ashamed of the the moments where I'm not as strong, not not feeling as good at, as I should, whether that's in in terms of my my confidence, my focus, whatever the case may be. Um, it I I. I have a lot of people in my family who have had various struggles. Mental health, I understand, is a subset of this all, but mm -hmm. I'll, I'll talk about mental health for a moment. Uh, people uh, I'm very close to who, who have suffered from bipolar disorder, uh, mm -hmm. um, you know, seasonal affective disorder, things mm -hmm. like that. And, and as I've watched those journeys, you you know, the, the metaphor is a, a pendulum in many cases that you're, you're swinging from uh, a manic state to a depressed state. And that pendulum for somebody who's suffering uh, from bipolar disorder is just a, a, a much wider swing. One yeah. of the things that I've come to recognize is that um, we all have the pendulum. We and and um, it may not have quite as wide a swing, but um, we all have the pendulum. And so brain health to me is about a, being aware of the pendulum and then having a tool set um, to, to address whatever place you may be in that pendulum um, combined with having a an ongoing practice habits mm. to bolster um, your brain health and to to not have that pendulum swinging outside your control. You Absolutely. the more that you focus on it, the more that you can uh, sort of control when and how how far that pendulum swings. Mm. So. Uh, uh, do you know I really love that analogy of a pendulum because you can you your pendulum can swing from a week to a day to an hour to the minutes can't it depending it can on indeed. the circumstances yeah. that you're in and what's going on around you and and like you say some people have a big swing of the pendulum and that might might be a very fast swing um, um others others may be a very slow slow swing but we all we all um move backwards and forwards in some way or another throughout our life whether that's daily weekly monthly or or yearly yeah and it's yeah. important to recognize when we're when we're in the good side of the swing and to celebrate it and when we're on the bad side of the swing and to to know how we can intervene to swing it back the other way yeah 
I, I, I think that's absolutely right. Mm. So I'd love to explore your story uh, mm-hmm. in the context of brain health. What, what was it that inspired you first to get into marketing itself? Where, where, where did it start? Wow. Well, I've, I've, I've been a marketer for a long time. I, I worked um, for 10 years as a journalist, uh, as a newspaper reporter um, in, in the 90s. And in many ways, um, you know, of course, I was a storyteller. Uh, that yeah. was a business where I was um, meeting people learning their story, sharing their story, trying to understand what was relevant and important to the audience with which I was connecting. And uh, after spending three years at um, the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, I live in St. Louis, Missouri, in the Uh middle of the USA, three years on the internet side of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, I um, co-founded a startup um, and that's when I really began my entrepreneurial journey and was responsible for helping to build this company. The two of us who founded it grew it from the two of us to 85 people wow. in 18, 18 months. And it was a, it was that's a fast really ride. Fast. And, and, um, it, it, out of that, I became, you know, fascinated about the different channels and, and how marketing had evolved. The newspaper industry was dying. At that yeah. time in the late 90s, the old display advertising models that were driving revenue for newspapers and for uh, for broadcast media were were dying and things were beginning to shift. And what the Internet enabled was much more of a direct conversation between seller and buyer. And uh, I became fascinated with the possibilities. And in, in 2001, I founded a an email service provider company, uh, the the software that uh, you use to manage and segment a list, create the email, mm-hmm. send a bulk email, track uh, results. And I ran that company for 19 years. And wow. one of the things that happened while I was running that company was a lot of people would come to us and say, you know, will you sell us a list now that we have your software? I said, no, we, we're not going to sell you a list. You can build a list. Well, what does that mean, build a list? And mm-hmm. so we began to have a lot of conversations with companies about how to build a list, how to improve your website, how to do lead generation, all those marketing things. Mm-hmm. And so I wasn't just running a software company. It evolved into a marketing agency. and over the years, I began to recognize that more and more businesses, when they were struggling with their marketing, it wasn't a problem with the technology or the channel. A lot of people want to blame their email software or email in general. Email doesn't work. Social media yeah. doesn't work. Um, <laughs> but when when that's going on, it's not the tool or the tactic or the channel. It 99% of the time is the content they're putting out, the same mm-hmm. old blah, 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 boring content. <laughs> and so in, in 2019, uh, we sold, I sold MarketVolt, the email marketing company, yeah. and hung my shingle as Story Power Marketing. And now I'm helping uh, with that. So that's that's the journey into, <laughs> the long journey into mm. marketing and where I am today. And I know, I know in your content, you focus on the inner game, which is like mindset and brain health and not just marketing 
strategies and tactics why is that for you so important why does it matter to your clients well i there i have a story about how i personally got to that but i'll talk about my clients first for a second because you mentioned a moment ago that that uh we were talking about fear and yeah. and and oftentimes um most of the time when we're selling a product or service it doesn't matter whether it's a pack of chewing gum or whether it's brain health or whether it's marketing services when we meet our prospects where they are they're going to be in a state of of frustration fear struggling so on and so forth and 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 so you have to meet them where they are and reflect in your own content and marketing that state, but be very clear about the fact that there's a bridge to uh, uh, something to which they can aspire and and mm -hmm. and 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 get to the the other side. And when I talk to a lot of coaches and consultants and experts about that, the response that I will often get is, "Oh, I don't want to do that. That's fear-based marketing." And I don't want to manipulate people. And then the conversation that we'll have is, well, it's not manipulation if the pro, or at least it's not unethical if the if you are providing a real solution. The difference mm -hmm. between unethical manipulation and ethical persuasion is mm -hmm. intent. If you intend to serve, then and help people get to new state <laughs> get help people get to new state then meeting them where they are taking them by the hand and guiding them across the bridge is um, a valuable service and persuading them to take that journey with you is a gift not a yeah. act of unethical manipulation it's so, it's it, i just want to pause you there because i think it's really important to 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 really nail this for people yeah is that it, it's like you hire a guide to take you up a mountain you want the guide to meet you where you are at yeah. <laughs> to take you up your mountain so you get to a higher level if yeah. you hire a guide and then give them a different coordinate to where you are at they're <laughs> never going to take you there exactly <laughs> and you're never going to meet them exactly. because they're somewhere else yeah and that's why it's so important to meet people where they literally you know physically literally meet where them, they are literally meet them where they're at yeah because otherwise you can't take them anywhere because you'll yeah. never meet them <laughs> and 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 here's where the mindset piece for my own clients and prospects come in i have that conversation and rationally that makes all sorts of sense. Oh, yes, that makes sense, Tom. You know, if if I'm providing a valuable product and service, then it's ethical and I'm, you know, so on and so forth. And and then I see it in their faces uh, if I'm providing a valuable product and service. And what I've come to recognize is that so many great coaches and consultants and experts who provide massive value to their clients are suffering from mindset issues from brain health issues they they mm -hmm. they um imposter syndrome uh the perfection problem of procrastination yeah. limiting beliefs whatever whatever paradigm you want to apply mm -hmm. to it you know they they are stuck in their own self-doubt their own pain their own lack of belief their own lack of confidence and so when i launched this business I began to share with my clients 
a variety of tools and tactics that I've been applying in my own life, mm -hmm. recognizing that in order for you to really succeed and to carry forward, you have to be aware of the issues that that you're struggling with. You have to recognize when the pendulum is swinging. Mm -hmm. You have to have a tool set to address it. And the thing that I say to my clients is that, look, I'm not the expert in how to do these things. Call Dr. Ruth or call somebody else if you if you really want to lean into it. But my recommendation is lean into it um, mm -hmm. in some way, get the tool set, study it. You know, we, we um, people call me to, uh, to diagnose and fix their content. People, my inbox right now is filled with people asking whether I want them to diagnose my search engine optimization and fix my uh, searchability. We invest so much time and money in tools and tactics to fix our marketing, to learn time blocking and, and uh, mm -hmm. um, operational efficiency, to, uh, to study management and get better as managers. And yet so many people are hesitant to invest in A, being aware, and then B, doing something about brain health, mindset, it might be mental health mm -hmm. issues. And mm -hmm. um, that that hesitance is is a shame. I, I mm. have my own story regarding that. Mm -hmm. I'd um, love for you to share your story because I know that you were resistant and hesitant initially, weren't you, in the context very, of personal development? Very, very resistant. And, you know, and I'll, I'll, I'll share with you a, a story from just this past month that even with my awareness and my, my buy into this work, um, I still suffer from some of the um, ghosts of that resistance. Um, when we met, when yeah. you invited me um, in uh, to be a guest on your podcast, I uh, began to listen to your podcast and I began to read the show notes and and you read the show notes about, you know, this guest who was a high level executive and then had this breakdown and that guest who suffered from this thing. And, and um, there are a lot of really meaningful and, and powerful stories. And I realized that my my initial reaction was to recoil a little bit and say to myself, well, I haven't had a breakdown. I, I, uh, you know, I'm not the right person for this conversation. And that's the old resistance thinking of feeling like um, this is a, a binary thing. You're sane yeah. or you're not sane. You're, you've had a breakdown or you've not had a breakdown, which completely denies the idea that no, 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 it's a continuum. We're yeah. all, we're all on this pendulum. It's not Yes or no. Uh, yeah, and, which and, is often what we think of in mental health, right? Is mental health is I'm okay or I'm not okay. Yeah, or but brain health. My brain is healthy okay. or my right, or my brain is not healthy. What uh, you know? I've got my act together or I don't have my act together. Yeah. It's, it, it's not a binary. The 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 switch is on or the switch is off. But I absolutely operated from that mindset when I was young and more egotistical and and so forth. And I had a mentor. Uh, this is back in the in the 90s 
I had a mentor who encouraged me to do mindset work. And, and he was similar to how I am now with my, with my clients. He wasn't prescribing a particular thing, but he was saying there are things that you can do, people you can read, uh, the practices you can adopt. And I wanted nothing to do with it <laughs> for, for two reasons. Number one, I was stuck in this notion that it's a binary. Yeah, I'm I'm not broken. Why should I? Why should I do this? Um, and and to do this is a is an admission that I'm broken. Uh, yeah. That, so that was I was stuck in that thinking. And the other thing is I was I was um, I, I was influenced wrongly by a cultural phenomenon here in the United States. Saturday Night Live. Um, there was a character played by. Al Franken, uh, named Stuart Smalley. And Stuart Smalley was, he was basically mocking um, life coaching or at least bad life coaching. And yeah. Stuart Smalley was this pathetic character who would sit in front of a mirror and utter these cliched self-affirmations. And he was, uh, he was you know, he, he, he was portrayed as this, this loser. And so when my mentor would talk about, you know, uh, maybe meditation, self-affirmation, things like this, I'd be like, I ain't doing that Stuart Smalley crap. And, <laughs> and um, it really, um, you know, I don't want to blame Al Franken Saturday Night Live or whatever for this. But, but you but, labeled, you labeled everything to Stuart Smalley. <laughs> yeah. I, I, and, and, and it was easy for me to do because I was already stuck in this other resistance. And, you know, mm -hmm. I'm not broken. I'm not Stuart Smalley. Um, and, and it really took me some time. Um, early 2000s, I guess, is when I began to adopt some of these practices much more diligently. And, and so it's been a, a 20 plus year journey for me to really um, understand and, and work on this. And, and it's a continuing journey. That's, yeah. that's part of the lesson as well. Yeah, you, you just triggered a memory of mine, actually, when I was first starting out, um, as a as an entrepreneur myself i remember flying to the states uh -huh. and talking to this chap on the plane i i've no idea what his name was and we were talking and talking about what my bit of my life story and he said oh you need a life coach and i and i and this was back in t the early 2000s i had no idea what a life coach was i was like oh that sounds interesting but really parked it no idea what it meant at all in any any way shape or form and just went busy on my difficult entrepreneurial journey trying to learn learn the ropes of of being a new entrepreneur and and it wasn't until I hit a wall uh, in business that I realized the importance of coaching and I was you know I was not I was in the not okay bracket mm -hmm. but my goodness if I just listened earlier on and not just to be okay but to feel extraordinary is what brain health is all about is is getting the best out of you out of you yeah. and, and enjoying life and living it to its fullest in whatever way that looks like for yourself personally yeah um, I, I, it would have I, been different it would yeah and and you know the way you just frame that it's it's about a journey from um from good to great uh great to greater uh and 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 so forth we all have 
um, strengths and, 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 and the, the problem with my resistance, my story, and so many others who still are stuck in this similar kind of resistance is, is that there's shame associated with this, this idea that you're surrendering, that you're admitting that you're broken. Um, and there's, especially when it comes to mental health, shame associated with it. I love the fact that, that, really just over the last several years, four or five years, you have uh, people speaking much more openly about their struggles. Um, And, um, and the, the shame associated with people who are in pain, people who are suffering from mental health issues and so forth is beginning to uh, subside. And, and, and that's a good thing. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's, a, that's a really important thing. Yeah. And, um, and part of that comes from you having the kinds of conversations that you have on your podcast. So, yeah. you know, I'm yeah. and I think it's so important because, you know, especially for entrepreneurs and, and consultants, there's been this history of if you have a problem mental health problem then you're not eligible for for funding you're you're seen in the at-risk yeah. category because you're categorized as not okay versus the okay bracket of people but yeah. like you say we're all on a we're all on a pendulum we're all on a spectrum um, yep. and you could be okay one day and and not okay the next or okay one minute and not okay the next you know it's it's everything swings doesn't it yeah <laughs> uh, and-, and you you can't you can't call that that you're going to be okay forever, you know, based on where you are at now, because the pendulum will always move. Yeah. And, and when, when we're operating in systems where you get penalized for bringing this forward and, and working on it, uh, when there's shame associated with it, then you have people who get stuck in that resistance, who, who don't step forward and do the work that they could benefit from. Mm-hmm. And then when the pendulum swings beyond a breaking point, um, the outcomes are probably worse than they, much worse. than Absolutely. Cause they don't have the tools. <laughs> yeah. Than they would have been. So yeah. um, talking about this openly is so critical and, as I said, I'm grateful that you're having these conversations and and <laughs> no, uh, helping people work on this. Yeah. I'd love to talk about the pain that people experience from a marketing perspective. I know we've touched on it a bit, but you, you work with many coaches and consultants other and other experts who have this pain that they need to unchain with regards to marketing. Yeah. What what are the you know the typical pains that people experience? Well, probably the most typical pain is um, writer's block or some sense of feeling stuck. And, and so, so many people will commit to the idea of creating content, social media content, emails. I'm going to, I'm going to send an email every week or multiple emails a week because my marketing coach told me I should do it. That's the formula. And, 
and then they sit down in front of a computer and they may they may have listened to someone like me and say oh make it story powered content the more it's driven by story you know and so they'll sit down in front of the screen and it'll be once upon a time now what you know they're stuck yeah. they they don't know what to write they don't know where to turn and and then you know i've had people describe this to me as i i have panic attacks when i sit down to write an email because yeah. I feel like I have to do it. Um, it's not going to go away. Um, and I'm stuck. And um, and all of these emotions, I'm not good at this. I don't mm. know what I'm doing. This is fruitless. Um, my business isn't going anywhere. All of this stuff can manifest just around the, the act of creating a simple piece of content. And it's painful. And yeah. um, so that that is the most common thing that I hear from all of my prospects and clients and the the thing that I try to coach them mm -hmm. past um, by by helping them recognize that, no, there are systematic ways to attack this and to overcome mm -hmm. this. Mm -hmm. And it's as, almost as if people go into a freeze state, you know, Absolutely. rather than run towards the threat which some people do you know in a defensive rage kind of reaction that yep. they just go for it is yep. often people just freeze they because they, of the fear factor and it activates their amygdala yeah absolutely they they freeze on both ends of the process so i i was talking about you know writer's block blank page but then a lot of them will will soldier through and even adopt a lot of the skills and 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 know-how to get to an almost finished product, what they think is an almost uh, finished product, and they freeze on the back end of the process. Um, yeah. Fear factor. They they are afraid to release their work. I tell a story about um, Leonardo uh, da Vinci, and and Leonardo um, was commissioned by monks in some Italian town to do a big painting of the Adoration of the Magi um, back in, in whatever century that was. And he made this painting um, and got it finished almost. And then he kept tinkering with it. He, 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 uh, he, he didn't release his work. And the monks got so fed up that they went and hired this other guy. And the other guy did the painting and it's finished and it's hanging wherever, <laughs> wherever they hung it. And art historians compare Leonardo's unfinished work to this guy's finished work. And they all say Leonardo's work is a masterpiece. This other guy's work is good, but not a masterpiece. And but the moral of the story is uh, that guy finished the work and got paid and Leonardo didn't. And um, and the perfection problem yeah. is a real thing for a lot of content creators. Um, they they won't release their work because they fear how will people respond? Is it mm -hmm. it's, it's not good enough? Oh, <laughs> you know. Give yourself. They can't respond if you don't release. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Give yourself permission to release your work. Um, yeah. And and there's a lot of there's a lot of brain health and 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 pain rooted in the the 
things that are creating that resistance. So getting stuck at both ends of the process is something I see a lot. And um, again, it's about that journey from from a lack of confidence and fear to clarity and confidence and courage and and so forth there. you, You can take that journey. Yeah. Do you know I I've been a I've been one that's got stuck in this position myself personally in terms of releasing content. And one of the worst things I ever did um was compare my my content to somebody else's oh, yeah. and then try and reproduce the unimportant content that would make it brilliant or, or better. Uh, and not actually produce the core content that would have made it good. Mm-hmm. And then I could have added it in later. And so it got delayed and delayed and delayed. Yeah. But I know when I've done content, that I've forced myself to release it by actually releasing the drip feeding release. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to make the next piece. <laughs> yep. After that, then it gets done. It might not be perfect, but you refresh it because it's out there <laughs> yeah when, when you need to when once you get the feedback it's so easy to fall into that first trap of comparing and then saying to yourself well this is not enough <laughs> yeah you know I need to be like this person who's up here on a pedestal and I'm down here so I need to you know but ultimately you have to you have to climb this ladder to get to the to that to that height and you you can't just do it in one big leap yeah so and to, be prepared to do the to do that work and keep doing it. Exactly, and 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 what you're describing is about habit formation. Um, yeah. So, uh, getting in that habit of just doing the work and releasing the work is is um, it is a skill. There there are steps to take in habit formation. If you've not read Atomic Habits, I recommend it. It's a great yeah. book. Um, and this idea of comparing yourself to others, I know a coach high-end executive coach works uh, works with individuals works with teams is really brilliant and runs a seven-figure business and this guy was constantly getting stuck comparing himself to tony robbins all mad you know he would i would i would hear him talk about the fact that oh tony robbins said this in an email and that's wrong and and i can't believe that that guy is making all this money and blah 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 it's like (laughs) dude, (laughs) you are running a great business and you are helping all sorts of people and you don't need to, you know, frame up your whole sense of identity in comparison to this guy you have no control over and and no no control over his audience. And um, we do it all the time. Absolutely. And it's the thief of joy, they say, isn't it? Comparison is the thief of joy. Is it it, not only you're trying to be someone you're not, because you're never going to be someone else, but you're forgetting to be who you are from a uniqueness perspective and taking away your personal power uh, by not being just you. Yeah. Which is which is so important. I'd love to dive into the uh, fun facts before we transition back to brain health in the context of marketing. Um, so this is the five pillars of brain health remembered by the mnemonic facts, uh, which stands for feelings, actions, connections, thoughts and surroundings. So first one, feelings for you. What's the funniest or most embarrassing thing that has ever happened to you? You know, it's funny that that you 
you asked that you asked that question because um, I don't know when this episode will be published, but <laughs> we we are recording this episode the first week of May. It, it's what yeah, May third, yeah. yeah, and and so Thursday is May fifth, and um, I have a thing resistance around foreign languages. Um, uh, <laughs> And, and so it was Cinco de Mayo. I, I was younger in my 30s. We were we were out at a bar enjoying Cinco de Mayo, and it happened to be on a Friday. And um, and I said something to the the effect to a big group of people. We had ten people around a table, margaritas, the whole bit. And I turned to the whole group and it was silent. Hey, everybody heard me. I said something to the effect of, yeah, you know, um, we should we should go and have, um, you know, get together for Cinco de Mayo every every year. And um, somebody made the comment, um, well, yeah, you know, it helps that that it's a Friday. And I said, yeah, yeah it's on the first Friday every month, isn't it? And uh, somebody said, no, it's on the 5th of May every year. I said, the 5th of May. And so uh, for those of you who don't know Spanish, Cinco de Mayo, 5th, 5th of May. And, and um, it's one of those tiny little embarrassments that I, I didn't realize. I just thought Cinco de Mayo was the first Friday of, of, first Friday of May every year, not on the 5th of May every year totally small thing but <laughs> but it was an embarrassment that i carry with me uh for for 25 years every year wow. when cinco de mayo comes i remember that time where i uh you know idiot tom not knowing his spanish <laughs> asked had no clue what cinco de mayo meant <laughs> so um that's well i uh, don't think you'd be alone on that you know yeah. i don't think very many people would would connect yeah. uh connect it so i'm sure you're not not alone in that boat yeah so those of you listening if if that's now news to you that cinco de mayo is is uh, um the fifth of may i didn't mean to call you an idiot i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> well i think you know from a language perspective it's very easy for us to not pick up on the on those nuances isn't it and yeah and because it's not off it's not if it's not your first language why would you think why would you think it actually means something if you don't speak Spanish? Yeah, it's true. You yeah, would, you I, know, I would you? But 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 there is an interesting lesson in that. That rationally, it's like, oh, okay, I didn't know what fifth of May meant. Um, emotionally, it it's like a, a a trigger every year. The first week of May, yeah. that memory comes back, and I feel a little sting of of <laughs> the embarrassment and the pain and and. Uh, a small thing but it's funny what what things you remember and how embarrassment can uh linger even decades later absolutely and you know there's a good connection there between our mental state is our mm -hmm. knowledge gap and our emotional state and how our, a gap in knowledge can trigger huge emotional uh feelings yeah uh, because we we've you know ultimately you didn't you weren't enough Mm -hmm. in the context of knowledge because you didn't have that knowledge at the time yep. and then that made you feel less than 
Exactly. And, and we spoke about awareness earlier and the awareness comes in because you can, when you're aware, you can at least say, Oh, wait a minute, this embarrassment. It's just, that's silly. Um, and you can, you can shift out of that emotional pained state and get back to recognizing rationally. Oh, it's per perfectly understandable that I wouldn't know what Cinco de Mayo means. Yeah. Um, and, and yet those emotions will bubble up and, and take control. Um, but being able to set it aside, being able to recognize it, being able to use tools to, 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 uh, recognize the pain and, and as I said, set it aside, um, yeah. are, you know, that's, uh, I've not always been there. <laughs> yeah. And it, yeah. you know, it's that, that recognition piece, that awareness piece is, is really hugely important because you're then activating your prefrontal cortex, mm -hmm. which is your thinking, logical thinking part of your brain. Yeah. And by taking that time to be aware of what you're feeling emotionally, you are taking back control of your emotional brain by activating the thinking part. And that's yep. so important because then you take back the power of the emotion and you can leverage it to best effect. But if you're not aware of the emotions that are running in the background and you don't take that time to be aware, then they will run in the background like an, uh, uh, an operating, you know, a, a program within right. your operating system that, that is slowing things down rather than knowing it's running and speeding it up or just turning it, turning, it, turning it off. Yeah. Yeah. So really important. Right. Great. Thank you for sharing that. That's a really good one. Um, actions. What's the most exciting thing you've ever done? Well, uh, probably jumping from an airplane at 15,000 feet. Um, <laughs> that was, that was pretty good. Um, did that in, in, uh, New Zealand a few years ago, I was there with, uh, my children. I'm, I'm the father of twins and, oh. uh, my daughter Maddie, um, asked before we went, whether we were going to do some of that New Zealand adventure stuff. Um, <laughs> and she suggested bungee jumping. I said no to bungee jumping. I don't like the idea of you know, whatever it might yeah, do to my neck and spine. Um, but then she, uh, she said, uh, how about skydiving? And I, without hesitation said, yeah, she was surprised. She thought that bungee jumping was the, the compromise, uh, and that skydiving was going to be the, the hard one to convince me to do, but now I did it and I would do it again. It was, uh, it was an absolute joy. It was a tandem jump. So tandem, I, had a, yeah. I had an expert, you know, sort of, uh, hanging on to me and, and yeah. controlling the levers. Um, I, uh, I have a, uh, I'm, I'm not afraid of the idea of doing solo. Uh, I just have to invest much more yeah. time and training and preparation yeah. to do it. But I loved that, uh, that experience. Yeah. I, I love jumping out of the airplane. Actually, I've done jumping out of an air, not skydiving, but jumping out of an airplane myself a few times. I misspoke um, then. If if you're making a distinction between skydiving and jumping out of an airplane, this was jumping out of an airplane. So what? Oh, okay. So what well, is skydiving uh, compared to? Uh, is so that skydiving at fifteen thousand feet is skydiving typically, isn't it? Well, did you, yeah. Did you, so did, did you did you? Uh, I jumped you, out of an airplane at fifteen thousand feet. Oh, okay. 
Okay. Well, I thought it was brilliantly exciting. And the yeah. bit that I found um, not so exciting from an adrenaline rush, because I'm a bit of an adrenaline junkie, was when, when the parachute opened. Yeah, it gets... <laughs> because it gets... it's so much slower than the actual freefall bit you do initially. Yeah, yeah. Now, um, I agree, it, it slowed down now. I don't know where you've done it, but we were we were over the town of, of Wanaka in... Uh -huh on the south island of new zealand which is uh um oh i think one of the one of the questions you might ask me is the most beautiful place yeah, I've yeah, ever yeah. Been. let's <laughs> go there <laughs> i'll answer that now uh the south island of new zealand so um hanging floating through the air on a cloudless uh cloudless day over wanaka south island new zealand wow. um was one of the most spectacular yeah, uh, things imagine. I've ever seen. That um, that is a beautiful, beautiful uh, corner of the planet. Yeah, ours was over a very cloudy um, south southern England. So uh, although it's nice, I can't imagine it quite compares. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so thoughts. Let's crack crack on to thoughts. What's what stupid or crazy thought have you often told yourself in the past that isn't true? Wow. Um, you know, I, I have, um, I've suffered, uh, from imposter syndrome. I've, uh -huh. I've told myself that, that, uh, I don't deserve to be here. I'm not good enough. Um, uh, I'm going to be found out. Uh, it's been a long time since I was stuck in that sort of, uh, emotion but uh but one of the things that i've come to come to recognize also is that those emotions just like that cinco de mayo thing they can they can come and visit you um, <laughs> um from time to time and uh, you know even when you're uh in a great state of flow and achieving at a high level and at a rational level, very clear on the value that you bring. Every once in a while, those thoughts can creep into your mind. I'm much yeah. more skilled at recognizing that that's BS and yeah. setting them aside. But to my point and really the whole theme of this conversation, I'm much more skilled at that because I put in the work to get skilled at that. Yeah, yeah. And do you know recognizing those thoughts and that imposter syndrome and we call it automatic negative thoughts mm -hmm. is it really is a skill and it's something that we don't get taught when we're young we have to learn it often the hard way mm -hmm. uh, or we don't learn it at all um uh, and those thoughts can really steal our mind mm -hmm. uh, and steal progress and it's like learning to ride a bike is is you have to practice at recognizing those thoughts in order to squash the the ones that aren't true yep and take that control and get that pendulum back swinging the way you want it to go yeah yeah <laughs> so th thank you and when i'd love to know did did you have those thoughts when you were growing your business as well and you know the imposter syndrome well i i i had those thoughts um you know, 20 years ago when I was starting mm -hmm. the the email marketing company and kind of building an agency around it, those mm -hmm. thoughts would, would bubble up more frequently. 
by the time I sold that business and started Story Power Marketing, I was um, fully confident in Yay. in the work that I do and the value that I bring. In part because I had a a significant track record. Um, you know, one one piece of context that business I was referring to earlier uh, that we grew from two to eighty five. People yeah. so quickly. We raised a lot of venture capital. Um, we were growing the thing, and and it was on the right trajectory. But this was the first great dot com wave. This we're talking 1999 mm -hmm. into 2000, and uh, here in the states, and I think worldwide, a lot of money came into the startup community, and then when the bubble burst. Um, a lot of money was pulled out of the startup community and there wasn't great discrimination both on the inflow and the outflow uh, between companies that were, were good and companies that were bad. There was just a mm -hmm. lot of movement of money. And so we we lost some funding, some funding we were expecting, and we had to sell the company mm -hmm. and, um, and it didn't work out for um, investors. So um, I had been in a position where I had to lay off people um mm -hmm. it it was a massive blow to our our egos and our reputation um mm -hmm. as business people and that was the context in which i was starting the business and and so in reflecting on that i can understand why as i was beginning to grow the next business i had uh more frequent crises of confidence than uh than i have now yeah and, and you know that's really understandable as well isn't it you know because you've got those experiences that weren't necessarily as ones that served you and if you didn't have the right tool set to say no it was you know this was not my fault mm -hmm. this was this was not on on me this was this was the you know just the consequences of of the dot-com crash yeah it, it's hard to disentangle the two isn't it yeah and it, it it was a journey not only to discover that this was not my fault but to discover that this was no one's fault because i was stuck in anger and finger pointing as well um for for a, a couple of years at least two yeah. three years after it happened and i came to recognize um the i came to recognize really uh, as i began to do the work that i described that wait a minute that that is um first of all it's false second of all it's those are emotions that are actually holding me back that are yeah. uh, interfering with my own progress and yeah. um yeah so and we can we can self sabotage ourselves so easily can't we mhm mm <laughs> Is is we may get hurt by someone or something um, once, but we we play it in our minds thousands of times, and that really really hinders us. Yeah. Tom, what one piece? This show is all about brain health and unchaining your pain. What one piece of advice would you give to anyone who who is in a kind of imposter syndrome? They're having that mental block from a from a marketing perspective. Maybe they feel overwhelmed. Um, with just getting started and they've got this blank sheet of paper and they can't don't feel they're able to make progress what one piece of advice would you give to anyone who's in that position well i, I i'd give a piece of advice that that has a, a few parts um 
I guess the headline for the advice would be begin to embrace the work. And in order to begin to embrace the work, um, um, A, set aside the shame and openly share with others that you're looking for help. Mm. Get advice from people you trust about places to turn, people who might recommend Dr. Root, people who might recommend some other resource or tool. My mentor was putting me on a great track. And uh, for a while, I I was uh, completely resistant, holding him back, telling him, no, no way. Go and find somebody who can guide you to the resources. And before you invest in another tool to help you become um, a better marketer or a more productive person or whatever it may be, um, begin to invest in tools and resources that can help you um, recognize, become more aware, and develop tool sets to assist you with your brain health and your mindset. And, and if mental health is part of the equation, your mental health. No, oh, thank you. That's great advice because I think we do so often spend our time investing in the tools to to get us from A to B, but actually don't look at how well our engine is working. That's right. And, and then when we don't get to A to B, we say that tool didn't work. When in <laughs> fact, it was the engine that we were trying to operate that tool with that didn't yeah, work. Yeah, was broken yeah. a little bit or, yeah. or not optimal, depending not on optimal, how fast right. you want to get there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Tom, it's been an absolutely fascinating conversation all in the context of brain health. And I really loved it. How can people get hold of you to find out more about what you do and how you can help them? Yeah, the best thing they can do is go to my website, storypowermarketing.com, storypowermarketing, all one word, .com. And I would encourage you when you get there to sign up for the email list, a, a little overlay page will pop up and uh, you can join the email list. And that's where I uh, where I share ideas and tips um, that uh, are not just informative, but entertaining. And if you join the list, you'll get all the information that you need to carry forward with me and learn more. And they certainly are. I love your I love your email content and I love reading it. So I would encourage people to sign up and and not learn more about what Tom does. Tom, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you thank you so much for joining me on my show brain health unchaining your pain and really sharing your story in how you can help others unchain their pain thank you ruth i had a blast <laughs> and remember everyone you're not stuck with the brain you have you have the power to make it better and this show is here to really show you how This broadcast is brought to you by WinCheck Studios. We are an all-in-one educational platform for podcasters that revolutionizes how hosts leverage content to increase engagement with listeners, downloads, and income. We come together to focus on community, collaboration, and collective impact. For more information on how you can interact directly with our hosts, access exclusive live content with offers you can't get anywhere else from our official partners, join our purpose-driven community by visiting www.winject.com. If you're ready to build a career doing what you love, then we're ready to see you there.